a British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Hello and welcome to the British TV podcast show number 40. 40? Yes, 40. We're no, we're no longer cool. We're solidly in middle age now. Hey, some of us are 40 yeah. or more than 40. That's true. <laughs> By many years. I'm Ryan in Seattle. I'm Chrissy in Seattle. Summer has arrived. Of course, it always happens after the 4th of July here. Yeah, I guess the most meteorologists say you could solidly count on good weather in Seattle on July 12th. That's oh, just the magic day. True. <laughs> By the 12th, it will be good. Well, it's the 6th, and it's really great, and I spent most of the afternoon walking around downtown Seattle doing a walking tour, so that was timing it good, wasn't it? We had a great time. Because I have friends getting married this Saturday and outdoor oh, yeah. ceremony, and it will be nice and warm as well. I actually watched some stuff this week, though. I watched um, Are You Having a Laugh? Did you hear about the history of disability and how it's portrayed on oh, TV? Oh, yeah, we talked about it. David Williams yeah, presented that. How was, was that? Really good. It was really good. There's one guy, his name's Matt, spells it with one T, and his mother took that drug for morning sickness. The limitabide. So I've seen him in lots of stuff before. He's a really, really good dramatic actor, but he's very personable too. But they had done a show about the people with disabilities who are in a pseudo documentary being stuck on an island. Oh, Castaway. Yeah, he was the kind of in charge of that. Was he in front of the camera as well? I think he wrote some of it, but he was one of the stars of it. I've seen bits of it. I have a couple episodes of that. But there was interesting, because I know that in general, the disability, the groups that speak for people with disabilities were really happy with Ricky Gervais because he put Julie Fernandez in his second season in the office and she really is in a wheelchair and kind of included her in all the uncomfortable jokes that were being made about all the other. And they sort of said, thank you for treating people, someone with a disability, just like everybody else and not... Oh, we can't possibly make fun of them, blah, blah, blah. And she was the first ever disabled character played by a disabled actor in the UK. She'd been on a soap hmm. in the early 90s, and she's done acting, and she's got brittle bone disease. I had a friend whose sister had that. Step off a curb accidentally and break your ankle. Well, she can't even walk. She's in a wheelchair. But then there was one gal, I think her name's Victoria, and she was on John Cleese's documentary, The Human Face. She's got cherubism, so she's got a ginormous jaw because she has too much tissue there. I read what she wrote in the paper, Ricky Gervais and um, Stephen Merchant and Carl Pinkington. Yes. They made some horrible jokes at her expense, having watched the John Cleese thing that hurt her feelings deeply. And she said that she thinks about it back on it four years hence, and it still really hurts her. And other things she'll laugh off, but not this. And, And then Francesca Martinez, who was in... Extras. Who's a, she's a stand-up comedian. She has terrible palsy. She's really pretty. She mentioned that she had all lived in fear of people commenting on her silly walk. So it was kind of freeing to go on extras where Ricky's Gervais's Andy character sees her and says, "Oh no, look at that one. Is she mental or is she drunk? Look how she's walking." <laughs> and she said, "And then I watched it on TV and I thought, yes, I do have a silly walk." <laughs> she's really funny because she'll dress up. I mean, she's a very very pretty woman. Um, except rather thin, but she was, she does stand up, um, at corporate events and stuff like that. She's really getting out there. 
There was an Australian lady who's, I guess, on EastEnders, and she was also in the cast-offs. Is it cast-off or cast-away? Who's a dwarf. Oh, yes. And a goth. <laughs> She's a little Australian goth lady. And um, They showed a lot of archive material, though, when things were a little less politically correct, wasn't it? You yeah. Know, soon they'll be just like normal people. Right. He is sitting next to a normal man. Oh, yeah. Man. Look at his little face. And, oh. Yeah. And they showed some in the office. What always, I think, made me cringe more than anything was Julie Fernandez's character when um, David Brent wanted to get past her to sit at the table or something. He would just move her wheelchair, walk past, and then pull her wheelchair forward again, which is like moving someone like they're a piece of furniture. I mean, it was the. And there also was a woman who had won, um, came in third for sports personality of the year because of winning so many ribbons or medals at the Paralympics. And they had the award ceremony where all these people were getting up to the podium to receive. And when they called her name, they suddenly realized there was no ramp. She couldn't, so she had to sit there and they had to bring her award down to her and she didn't get to speak to accept it. And so they were interviewing her about that and how um, actually Ashitala, who was the producer of The Office, he's in a wheelchair And he said he could always tell if they were going to win an award if it was televised or something because he'd be getting calls to his publicist. So how how wide is is Ash's wheelchair? (laughs) So he'd call and say, well, we're going to get to go on stage because they called again and asked what sort of ramp I need to get up this. (laughs) So they were were clued in for all the awards who were going to win on The Office because of him. So this was all in that documentary, Are You Having a Laugh? Yeah. Cool. That's really good. Did you see that Andrew Garfield is going to be the next Spider-Man? I saw it. In fact, posted it to uh, Facebook right away. I love Andrew Garfield. We've mentioned him several times. He was in the Red Riding trilogy, or at least he was in the first part. Yes. And again, I have to wonder, why are Britons taking over our superhero business? You know, we had Aaron Johnson earlier this year in Kick-Ass, and now Andrew Garfield. They can't find a decent American actor to play Spider-Man. Shocking. Well, does he look a bit more like Peter Parker of the comic book? Somebody said he had his eyebrows were just right. But he looked young. In fact, I it I, I saw his picture before I saw his name, and I thought, okay, they got a young kid for it. And then, oh, Andrew Garfield. Well, he's like twenty four, but he he looked young in the photo. He's twenty seven, I think. Twenty seven. Okay. He was in the first season of Sugar Rush, which I think was two thousand six, playing a high school age kid, and he looked high school age. But I think since then he's really caught up and looks to he's. He looks close to 27 to me. Maybe he's can kind of go both ways. Like Lee Engleby for a long time was playing this huge range of, he was playing 15-year-olds up to, you know, late 20-year-olds. So maybe Andrew falls into that right now. Well, it's going to make him a big star. That's so true. hopefully his back catalog will get a little bit more notice there. My wife's birthday was last week, and one of the things she asked for was a movie called The Matchmaker, mm-hmm. which I had never seen. It had Janine Garofalo. She said she'd seen it on cable a bunch of times, so I got it from Amazon, and oh, yeah. we put in it in Ireland, watch it. Ireland, right? It is. Yeah. I, it was an Irish rom-com, and one of the writers was Graham Lynham from <laughs> The IT Crowd and Father Ted. It was very cute and had a lot more swearing than I would have thought would be in a rom-com. I, it must have gotten an R rating if it got a theatrical mm. release here because they use the F-bomb a lot. <laughs> and but there's no sex or nudity anywhere in the movie. I mean, they there's they mess around in the sheets a little bit, but that's about it. So I wonder if they got an R rating just because of the language. 
I remember when that came out. I didn't see it. But Janine Garofalo is somebody who I think she's extremely attractive. What would you say? Would you oh, agree yeah. her extremely attractive? I've always thought she's very cute. And yet when she tries to make a Hollywood picture they want her they when she did reality bites they made her sign a contract to lose 12 pounds before filming started i mean she gets hounded because she's not this ideal hollywood standard of beauty i think she's prettier than that i think she's much more interesting to look at but i remember her being very relieved that she was considered a total babe in ireland so she got to be the the beautiful leading lady in this irish movie without being sniped at that maybe she should go blonde or this or that was it, I assume it was an Irish production, and she was kind of the ringer of having, yeah. we need to have an American star to get a, you know, uh, release in America. Because I didn't recognize any of the Irish actors at all. But it was a cute film, and my wife loved it. So, yeah. a successful birthday there. Well, it's, it was just kind of interesting that, you know, she was considered the ultimate beautiful leading lady overseas. And the converse was true. Lucy Davis from The Office got a lot of press from that. And so she was told she should go to Hollywood and get an agent. She came over here and she found herself being discussed as being far too old and far too heavy to ever play a leading role. Mm. So the Americans have a, a really strange limited idea, at least the casting producers and well, directors now, it seems, of these mainstream pictures. In the, in the Matchmaker, Janine Groffel's character was supposed to be kind of the nerdy political consultant to this uh, kind of slimy senator. And the fact there is a very good-looking woman in there that the senator ends up going off with, you know, a nice mm-hmm. Irish lass with a, a good name like Kennedy. So, you know, they did have good-looking women there. But, yeah, I think Janine was just supposed to be kind of an every woman there and... I like every woman. I think I like to look at them and I like to follow their stories more. And we're going to do a feature later this episode on one, in fact, That's who right. I would much rather look at than, oh, I don't know, insert generic American actress here. So there's a place for Angelina Jolie, too, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'd roll of them. But yes, I, I take all kinds. So, yeah, we're talking about this before the show because I, I asked you to take a look at Elena Kagan. She is the nominee for the Supreme Court and say, does she remind you of everybody? And you, you got your finger on it immediately. Right. Yep. It was our friend David Mitchell of Mitchell and Webb. My wife was down here watching some stuff and I had David Mitchell on something and I freeze framed it. I got my iPhone out there. I Googled a picture of Elena Kagan and said, look at this. Mm-hmm. Look at the guy on the TV. Look at this photo. <laughs> It yeah. is David Mitchell. They are twins in drag. separated at birth, for sure. Absolutely. So I'm so someone actually has put that online, right? Yes, in a site that's part of the whole cheeseburger network. They have one of their sites is lookalikes. Okay. Anyway, on the lookalike that somebody had put David Mitchell and his twin sister, the Supreme Court of the United States uh, nominee. I'm glad someone else Elena. saw it too, because I all I could, every time I saw her, I'm like, what? Because the eyes. Mm-hmm. And the face is completely the same. Uh, in fact, there's a new series of Mitchell and Webb look starting up here, which they probably filmed months ago, but boy, they're missing a bet if they don't do some sort of <laughs> gag based on that. So this week's show, we have news, what's on British TV this week, shows running in the United States, DVD releases, and a feature on comedian Miranda Hart. Hurrah, Miranda! News. BBC Worldwide is reporting that for the year ending in March, that Top Gear was its biggest moneymaker, along with the series Life, Planet Earth, Being Erica, and Doctor Who. Sales of the Top Gear TV show were, quote, exceptional in the Europe, Middle East, and Africa region, and it was the biggest-selling BBC program in Asia-Pacific. An interesting note in the news release was this tidbit. Future plans include launching a travel site within BBC.com and looking at ways of, quote, 
Introducing iPlayer functionality for international audiences. Ding, oh, ding, 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 ding. we be up for that. Yeah, that's what we're all waiting for. <laughs> so let's see if they actually go through with that or not. But yes, Top Gear is popular. And they have magazines and toys. They have children's uh, spinoff things. It's a big cash cow for them. Some sad news. Actor Jeffrey Hutchins passed away. He's best known to us as Mel on Benidorm. And he will also be seen this summer in Simon Amstel's Grandma's House on BBC Two. Filming was about to commence on a new series of Ben and Dorm that would have featured Hutchins' character, which will require a number of rewrites now. Yeah, did you watch the last series of Ben and Dorm? Yes, I've seen them now. Where he bought the Ben and Dorm Palace, I think it's called. Oh, I saw him where he had the mobility place and it got burned um, down. Well, he, he bought the main large showroom in Ben and Dorm. Okay. And he and Madge were going to move there and run it. Yeah, well, that's too bad. Yeah. The TV channel Dave has commissioned a chat show hosted by former Red Dwarf star Robert Llewellyn based on his web video format Carpool. This is where he rides around with a celebrity and they just have a conversation in it. Oh. In the past 18 months, Carpool has had over 2 million iTunes downloads. So the series will begin on the digital channel Dave in October. Well, and Cumming was doing something like that, too, where he would take somebody in a cab and they'd drive around New York and have a conversation. And I think that kind of fizzled. He, I remember him saying he was having a hard time finding time to do it, but he'd done one with Halle Berry and one with Gwyneth. Well, Robert Llewellyn stuck yeah. with it, and now it's become a series. So a very interesting way of kind of piloting something and getting it out there. What's on TV for the week of July 7th to the 13th? Thursday, a two-part drama on BBC Two, Dive, begins with about a young girl's relentless training to make the 2012 Olympics, and it concludes on Friday. BBC One has another edition of the blooper show, Outtake TV. The current events comedy panel show, Mock the Week, continues on BBC Two. Friday, uh, <laughs> it's the return, mark your calendar, Ryan, of mm. My Family. On BBC One, that sitcom with Robert Lindsay now beginning its 119th season. 10th season, all right. It only seems like the 119th season. Yeah, I gave up on my family many years ago. I just skipped past it. Even the radio time slags it off now. (laughs) That's the, you know, quasi published by the BBC. But it's followed by the second season of my personal favorite, The Old Guys, starring Roger Lloyd Pack, Clive Swift, Jane Asher, and Catherine Parkinson. We did a review of it back in show eight. Catherine Parkinson is in two series tonight. As soon as The Old Guys finishes on BBC One, you can turn over to Channel 4 to catch Catherine in tonight's IT crowd. Douglas becomes a spaceologist. Roy's life is changed by a bad back, and Jen gets involved with the rock band. Huh. So that's all Friday night. Friday night? With Jonathan Ross. Oh, he's still on. I thought he was off in June, but... He's got... This is the penultimate episode. Okay. He has Jimmy Carr, Penn and Teller, Ellen Page, and Sir Tom Jones, who's hitting 70 this week, I believe. He still gets knickers thrown at him. Yep. Channel 4 Stand Up for the Week continues. Saturday, the teenage superhero drama Misfits is repeated on Channel 4, and lest you forget, it won a BAFTA for Best Drama last year. Have you seen it? Nope. I've been very curious to see it, so hopefully this will get me my chance to check it out. Sunday, Jonathan Ross hosts Pete and Dud, The Lost Sketches, featuring recreations of the comedy double act of Peter Cook and Dudley Moore's Best Sketches. 
which most of which were erased by the BBC back in the 1960s. Among those appearing are Alistair McGowan and Adrian Edmondson. Top Gear continues on BBC Two. Rupert Grint and F1 ace Rubens Barrichello take their turns as stars in the reasonably priced car. So you have an actor versus an F1 <laughs> driver. It seems a little unfair there. Rupert Grint is known for when he got his hands on some money coming of age, you know, his Harry Potter money came into him. He bought an ice cream van, which he likes to drive around. He's something of an eccentric. I'm wondering if he's just distributing, you know, distributing ice creams from it or just like Stephen Fry has his black cab and Rupert has his ice cream van. Okay. So maybe the reasonably bright car will be a little easier to handle than he's used to. Hmm. Ellen Carr Chetty Man is on Channel 4 Sunday with guests Grace Jones, Gok Wan, Lily Allen, and music from Professor Green. Oh, yeah, and the World Cup final is on Sunday night as well. Billions will be tuning in. Monday, BBC Two's comedy Rev with Tom Hollander continues. ITV One's Identity continues. BBC One counters with The Silence, a thriller with Douglas Henshaw and Dervla Kerwin. Tuesday, at Mitchell and Webb Look return to BBC Two, the great sketch comedy show starring Robert Webb and David Mitchell. We did a feature on them back on show 27. And it's followed by a new season of Shooting Stars, the Arctic Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer celebrity quiz show. Angelos Epithelmiel is now the man keeping scores because Matt Lucas is unavailable this year. Neil Morrissey has another TV's Naughtiest Blunders on ITV1, which goes after out after the watershed, so expect lots of bad language. The puppet comedy Mongrels continues on BBC3. In the United States, on BBC America this week, Wednesday, it's the American debut of Come Dine With Me, where four people compete to put on the perfect dinner party it originally ran on Channel 4, and an American remake is in the works. And of course, my friend Krister, over in Germany, was on the German version of that a few months ago. Mm. Came in dead last. Nil was... <laughs> But the, um, the girly girls writing on the uh, fan website after the, the forum, they liked him a lot. So, it wasn't all bad news. He, he was criticized, though, for filling every single dish full of butter and cream. <laughs> I don't know what a typical German fare would be, so. Yeah. Saturday, Doctor Who becomes the Lodger and moves in with James Corden to investigate why the TARDIS is malfunctioning. It also guest stars Daisy Haggard, whom I want to talk about for a few moments. Daisy has appeared in the sketch comedy series Man Stroke Woman in Psychoville and earlier this year in the advertising sitcom The Persuasionists. Playing Emma, a ruthless advertising manager, in this episode, a little power goes to her head as she is put in charge of maintaining only beautiful people in the office. You wanted to see me? Yes, Billy. Your nightgack work is a beauty campaign, and seeing as I'm head of handsomeness, I thought I should take a look at it. Aren't you getting a bit above yourself, Emma? Yes, I am. I'm in charge of things like the Emperor was in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Wasn't the Emperor a baddie? What? No, no, what? No, no, the Emperor was a goodie. He was a hard-working older gentleman who was just trying to run an efficient galactic republic until some hippie called Skywalker came and mucked it up. Yeah, well, my idea for Night Gag is to take the bad photos we've had done and, rather than make them better, actually make them worse. Why? Keaton and I are feuding over who's least practical. Let's see if he's prepared to run an ad like this. 
Victoria Smeet didn't use night gack one night, and this is what happened. <laughs> you think we're going to run an advert for a beauty product with a freak face on it? Are you out of your gangly mind? Emma, I am showing you this as a courtesy. You do not have f***ing up rights over my work. Maybe not, but I do have a right to tell you where to sit. And I think you should sit in the boiler room and think about what you've done. What? Yeah, yeah. Who's laughing now, Billy? <laughs> well, you are, really weirdly. Yeah, that's right, Billy. I've been corrupted by power. And I like it. Take him away. <laughs> Daisy Haggard there. She'll be in Doctor Who this Saturday, along with James Corden, who polarized a lot of fandom with his appearance in the series. But over here, you either know him from Gavin and Stacey, or else he's just another bloke off the telly, and he won't impair your ability to enjoy this fun episode. And Graham Norton is also on Saturday night on BBC America. Monday, Top Gear and James May's Toy Stories continue. Tuesday, repeats of Doctor Who and Demons. The Sundance Channel has Shameless on Friday nights. On Adult Swim on Friday night, there's Look Around You at 1.30 a.m. On PBS's Masterpiece Mystery on Sunday, it's the return of David Suchet as Hercule Poirot in Murder on the Orient Express. Eileen Atkins and Hugh Bonneville guest star. DVD releases Doc Martens Series 4. The comedy drama starring Martin Clunes as a fussy doctor in a small West County's village. The IT crowd's Catherine Parkinson plays his ditzy receptionist. And there's a number of Doctor Who releases. There is the 1979 story The Horns of Nymon with Tom Baker. The 1965 stories The Space Museum and The Chase. That's... Uh, set together those two stories the 1972 john pertwee story the time monster and the 1978 story underworld now what have all these stories have in common in britain horns of naimon time monster and underworld were released as a myths and legends box set because one each has mythological elements in them and two they are among the lesser regarded serials of the classic series and nobody would have bought them otherwise so you can judge for yourself Life on Mars, the complete BBC collection. Yes, it has all the commentary tracks and documentaries and all those things. Same music. Do we know if they had to change anything or were they able to keep the I don't know that. good old tunes? Touching Evil, the complete collection with Robson Green. And Stephen Fry presents Last Chance to See as he follows the footsteps of his good friend, the late writer Douglas Adams, to remote regions and some of the rarest, most threatened animals on Earth. Our feature this week is on Miranda Hart. Miranda Hart is a comedian. She's been in Smack the Pony, Hyperdrive, Not Going Out, and her own eponymous series, Miranda. She has an interesting combination of tall and posh and makes the most out of these attributes for her comedy. Appearing on Alan Carr Chetty Man in March of this year, she talks a bit about how she deals with life. And it's quite autobiographical, but you keep getting mistaken for a man. <laughs> is that in real life? Well, in, yeah, in the first episode of the first series, I did get called Sir by a delivery guy who came uh. <laughs> <laughs> And um, that is, that does happen to me. Yeah. Really? It doesn't happen to uh, you. See, the pity art is always... You know, it really does. Well, you well, notice no-one went, no! They <laughs> yeah. went, ah! Oh. <laughs> 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 no, they're just 
not really looking and it's they just notice the height. I think it's the height, short hair. And then no, when I they look at me, they go, sorry, madam. Yeah. I'll... I just slap them across the cheek with a tit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was saying she always wished, in her website, she wished she could be enormous spice with the Spice Girls. <laughs> her earliest TV appearances include Smack the Pony. In this clip, she appears in a video for a dating service. I'm not going to say anything. You can just look, and that's it. And if that isn't enough, then you clearly don't appreciate the finer things in life. I've got a castle. Rather than go the normal route of doing the stand-up circuit, Miranda went more for character-based comedy, including an appearance in the Edinburgh Festival and touring show The Sitcom Trials. Her one-woman shows include Miranda Hart Throbs, It's All About Me, and Miranda Hart's House Party. She made guest appearances on various TV shows, including Absolutely Fabulous, The Vicar of Dibley, and Lead Balloon. Yeah, I remember on AbFab, she was Nathan Lane's assistant, because he was running some sort of very posh, um, I think it was a clothing shop, and and he was always bow breeding her that she wasn't doing things right. And she wore all black and was trying to look very trendy and it wasn't working. So I remember her in that. I remember her in Smack the Pony all those years ago. She really does stick out in a good way and stays in your mind. Jennifer Saunders is a big fan of Miranda Hart and saw her pitch her TV series. And then she just laughed all the way through it and mm-hmm. said, this is a funny woman. It's a good stamp to have. In 2005, Miranda appeared in Julie Davis's black comedy Nutty Night as Beth. In 2006, she co-starred as Teal on the science fiction comedy Hyperdrive alongside Nick Frost from Shaun of the Dead. Frost played the incompetent captain of a third-rate British starship that has misadventures. It was a bit like Red Dwarf except with a larger cast and not quite as funny. And sure enough, Patterson Joseph shows up playing the same kind of character he always plays. <laughs> he's, he's always kind of that, that the obnoxious boss. Mm-hmm. That is his shtick. Miranda was one of the highlights of the series, especially as she harbored a secret crush on the captain, which she was able to act out on in this episode when he was feeling a bit down. Yoo-hoo. Miranda. Miranda. Hey, Till. Hello. I was just just a bit worried about you, so I've come to hmm? G you up. <laughs> uh. I know that you G me up, so we're a sort of G you up library service <laughs> to each other, as it were. <laughs> Bless you, Till. You know, what am I going to do? You, you take me out of this job and I, I haven't got any skills. You can learn new skills. You know, it, it would have been nice then if you'd said... Yeah, you've got skills. Sorry. Yeah, you've got skills. It's too late. Discharged with dishonour. You know, I won't even get to wear the club tie. It's got little blue rockets all over it. Mm. I've always wanted it, you know? Yeah. Tell you what you need. You Mm. need a little hug (laughs) from Miss Teal. Yeah, maybe. Just a a big hug. Uh, There we are. uh, No need to speak, just rest till morning. Please, can you take your hand from out there? Sorry. 
Look, I... It's not the underpants, but it, it's still on the... Uh, Is it? That was the 2006 series Hyperdrive. The series is available on a Region 2 DVD. I really liked the second series of Hyperdrive much more than the first, and my favorite episode was when Nick Frost's character could wander into the dreams of all of his crew members, and they were all dreaming their secret fantasies, and she was a ballerina wearing a tutu and a pink leotard from head to toe. And then she became a pony, but she was still in her ballerina outfit, but she was in a stall, kind of whinnying and neighing and stomping the ground, and it was just surreal and weird and just something so completely ridiculous and yet she threw herself into it and played it with such conviction it was really funny i wanted to like hyperdrive but you know it reminded me way too much of red dwarf and Mm -hmm. i think it had the fatal miscasting of kevin eldon and i love kevin eldon he was in world of pub he's done stuff with lee and herring i think he's a funny guy but he's supposed to play this super paranoid very mean first officer in this show and it just so obviously was a guy acting i like kevin eldon a lot too but as i I didn't really like the first series we had such hopes for it when we saw it was coming out and they did a great big preview that we watched and the second series i really thought was a step up and i was kind of surprised it didn't get commissioned for a third because i thought the second had done so much better but maybe it never found its audience after people didn't like it much in the first you sure had some likable folks in it. Yeah, so Nick Frost is very good in what he does. I mean, he yeah. he plays that kind of schlubby guy uh, very well. Zach Garfin. Zach Galifianakis? Yes. Say that three times fast. Galifianakis, uh, Galifianakis, Galifianakis. All right. <laughs> Showing off. I mean, he does the same sort of part in the United States when you need kind of, you know, the, the fat, lovable kind of guy. And that's mm-hmm. what Nick Frost tends to get in, uh, in England. Because, of course, he was in Spaced. And yep. Shaun of the Dead. And Hot Fuzz. He was a man-stroke woman, too, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. And Kinky Boots, which didn't come out here, about a fellow who, I guess, inherits his family-run boot company and discovers they're about to go under, but they start making boots for transvestites, and suddenly they're doing really well. They find that niche. To that might have played in the art houses here. Yeah. But he was in that, too, as well. Yeah. So now we don't have to do a Nick Frost show. We've just gone over his career as well. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. <laughs> do more television. In 2007, after making a guest appearance in the first season of Not Going Out, Miranda Hart joined the cast in the second season as a competent cleaning lady Barbara. We talked a bit more about Not Going Out in show 32 when BBC America was running the series. Unfortunately, Miranda will not be appearing in the show's upcoming fourth season because of other commitments. Too bad. In 2009, Miranda Hart finally got her own series, titled simply enough, Miranda. Based on her Radio 2 comedy, Miranda Hart's Joke Shop, she plays the owner of a shop who meanders through life much to the consternation of her mother, Penny. Always trying to fit in, but always awkward, Miranda the actress breaks the fourth wall constantly as if begging us to believe what is happening to her. In this scene, the woman who minds the shop and Miranda have a disagreement. Hello, my little friend. Hello, my enormous colleague. (laughs) Nice. What's that? I found it over there on the floor. Someone must have dropped it. Well, shouldn't we report it? No, he'll come back. And I'll be waiting. Bad luck losing his wallet. Good luck meeting the bombshell that rescued it, me. (laughs) What, you think it's some kind of sign, please? It's such a load of rubbish. 
Costello. Oh, not bad, eh? Yeah, God, what's his name? Robert Husband. It's a sign. <laughs> what else? Oh, he's got a dog. I know. Cute. Oh, self-defence classes. I know. If he's the teacher, fit, and if he just goes to the class, cutely vulnerable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he left it for me. <laughs> I mean, come on, they'll choose me. No, no, I'm not being rude. But, you know, you're just... You're a bit unusual. No, 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 no I'm not being rude. But you'd have, to, you'd have to get to know you to find you attractive. Excuse me. Mm. Saying I'm not being rude before something rude doesn't make it not rude. Miranda Hart won the Comedy Performance Prize in the 2009 Royal Television Society Awards for her series Miranda. And a second series is in the works. And in 2010, she and six other TV celebrities raised over a million pounds for charity by cycling from John O'Groats, which is way in the north of the country, to Land's End, all the way in the south, in sports relief. So I guess we would have to add Sporty to her list of accomplishments. Yeah, she is. She's quite a big girl. She's six foot one. I always wondered how tall she was. And... Um, Evidently packed with muscles and stamina because she's always been quite fond of playing field sports and now a long-distance cyclist, too. Oh, yeah. They made a, a documentary about it and everything, and they showed a few clips of it, and mm -hmm. it looked exhausting. <laughs> um, she was in The Abbey, which was a one-off. That's right. We it might have been week. a series, but it was just a, like a pilot, much like Lizzie and Sarah, that although it didn't get commissioned, it had so many people in it that are popular that the BBC showed it anyway. Well, I don't know if it was a BBC program, but um, it was shown. Miranda Banks wrote that. That was and... ITV. Okay. Anyway, that was Miranda Hart. So next week is the last episode of Friday Night with Jonathan Ross on the BBC as he prepares to leave the broadcaster. So we'll look at the career of Wassie but also the bigger picture of salaries the BBC and how they are dealing with their high-paid stars in the David Cameron era. You know, the executives are threatening to, they'll reveal how much their highest-paid stars make, but of course only if the publicists allow them to. So we'll talk about basically everybody watches TV is paying their salaries and mm -hmm. wants to know what the BBC is up to and are they overpaying people or, you know, how much. But of course, you know, they're in a big competition with ITV and Channel 4 for those people. I mean, Graham Norton did not go over to BBC because he thought he'd get a bigger audience. It was for the money mm -hmm. and the opportunity. So Jonathan Ross has kind of become a whipping boy. You know, part of that was because of the famous Saxgate scandal, which we talked about last week. And he's decided to go elsewhere now. But he's had his own production company and he's presented many shows. He's very knowledgeable about movies and pop culture and comic books and Doctor Who. So we'll talk about Jonathan Ross, the man who can't even say his own name. Yeah, and he sort of famously owns the house where all the comedians like to go over and just hang out and play board games and just sort of chill hmm. and play with the kids. Know that it's just sort of considered a real day of achievement if Jonathan Ross invites a young comedian like Dave Williams or something over to your house. You know, you've succeeded then. Ah. And they'll just... Play a few videos. Um, 
his wife likes to make up specific games too and that they'll play. So cool. Yeah. We'd like you to visit our website, www.britishtvpodcast.com, and there you can find links to headlines, show notes, what's on TV this week, and you can find an archive of our previous 39 shows. Maybe you'd like to send us some feedback at feedback at britishtvpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you if you have suggestions or comments or corrections or anything like that. So yes, the World Cup does wrap up this week, and I just saw the Netherlands are still in it. As I predicted. But this podcast is going to go out just before the Spain-Germany game. And boy, the Germans have been tough. they got a guy named Thomas Mueller who's just amazing. I'd look up to see where he plays. He plays in the Bundesliga, so no one's actually seen him outside of Germany. But he is awesome and a great scorer. So Spain has a work cut out for it. But, you know, I said many weeks ago, it's going to be Spain and Holland in the final. Well, they'd be fantastically correct or down in flames within 24 hours. So we'll see. Right. But it's fun to watch. I'm going to miss seeing football. I'll have to go to some Sounders games now here <laughs> and see it. My wife ended up, she was about to go out the door and I was watching one of the World Cup matches and she came inside and she just kind of you know, say goodbye to me and she's staring at it. And for like two minutes she goes, it is very hypnotic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'll be doing. All right. Well, everybody enjoy the summer there. Don't get too hot. And we'll see you in front of the TV. Till next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>